I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat? A-hole. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we are obviously doing this remotely. Uh, George and I are both locked down. As is everyone. At the time of recording, you're all locked down. You're all in the same boat. So yeah, this time we are taking a look back on the 1992 action classic that is Under Siege with Seagal, our first visit to Mr. Steven Seagal. In, indeed, I think, we've, I think we've had a few requests for Mr. Seagal, at least for this film. I mean, he's got quite a career. You know, oh my God, yeah. Quite a career. I don't think you and I could, outside of those sort of cool late 80s, early 90s films, I don't think you or I could name him any of them, but he's, he's still going. You know, bless him. God loves a trier. Yeah, and I think this I think this film was kind of, this, this both started his career, but kind of, it was the beginning of the end. Peak. <laughs> I think everyone can agree this is his peak. We will. We're going to cover what it was like to go back and revisit this films, to see what it was like to see a 1992 action film, Die Hard at Sea, would you have it? But uh, before, for those who know what to expect, that's great. And for those who don't, here's George with a quick update on some general housekeeping. We are two brothers going back looking at the films of our youth. Um, so we are film lovers. We're podcast professionals, but we're not uh, film professionals. So we're just uh, doing this out of our love for, for the movies. We're, we're going back through these films, going into detail on them. So there will be spoilers from the very off. Uh, there will be probably you know elements of mild swearing. So be, be mindful if you have uh, little people or children uh, around when listening. And more than likely, there might be some bad impressions as well. But ultimately, we, we aim to entertain. Uh, we aim to give you some trivia about these films. And, you know, I say it's a lighthearted look back at these films. So with this being 92, I know you love it to be recorded on many lists, but I'm going to say back in 92, CD. we were still on CDs. CD. We were moving from high quality tapes to CDs. So, yeah, we'd be burning this maybe to listen on our, CD, our enormous CD portable player later. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the gun, but they make a big deal about things being on CDs in Under Siege 2, which is three years later. So this is really high tech for 92. Okay. Okay. So we're in our time machine. It's 992. It's Steven Seagal uh, brought to us from Andrew Davis. It's Under Siege. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. It was the final voyage of America's mightiest battleship. What's on this helicopter? This little sweetheart. Miss July 89. God, I love this business. I love you. The party was wild. Love you they really knocked them dead. Imagine this arsenal of tactical nuclear weapons falling into the wrong hands. The Pentagon never did. Four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. Now, a team of terrorists have taken over. Wake up the president. But there's just one thing they didn't count on. The cook. Are you like some special forces guy or something? No, I'm just a cook. Oh my God, we're going to die. Ah! 
this is not the work of a crook. I want you to coordinate your efforts with us. Yes, sir. I see that you completely disobeyed my orders. Roger that. Ryback is an ex-seal. Expert in martial arts. Explosives. Stand back! Weapons and tactics. I also cook. The Nimitz is tracking two tomahawks just launched from the Missouri. Where are they headed? Honolulu. Happy trails. Steven Seagal. I know you, don't I? Tommy Lee Jones. Been a long time. Under siege. So, George, 1992, uh, under siege. I mean, obviously, very impressionable boy at the time. Myself, I was, uh, was about 12 or 13. You would have discovered this a bit later, I guess. No, I, vague, I vaguely remember seeing this on video and being very excited. Mainly, I think, are we going to you know, talk about the elephant in the room the, or the two elephants? We're going to talk about Erica Elenia. That's why this film got quite a bit of um, buzz around it, didn't it? As well as being a big Seagal f- f- film, it was the girl off Baywatch with the big knockers got them out. Yeah, and it was very confusing for a 12 or 13-year-old boy who just discovered Baywatch and action films to then have them thrown together when you're a 12 or 13 year old boy, yeah, it was, it was all very confusing. <laughs> it was, it was a beautiful moment. Uh, no, but it was like, it was like, oh yeah, it's a gal, it's, di- it's a diehard on a boat and Eric Lennon gets her baps out. That was the word on the street. I mean, I don't know if uh, I'm right in thinking, uh, but it, this was the first time that we'd, you or I had heard of Seagal when this film came out. I mean, obviously he'd had quite a few films Kind of lower the budget. The Nico films, Out to Kill. There was Nico. Kill. I think Hard to, Hard to Kill was the, the one that was on TV the most. I get them. Not necessarily merged, the best. They all merged together. I think it's a Hard to Kill is the one with Kelly LeBrock in it. Yeah, but it's all the same character. So it's Nico. It's like no, Out no, to no. Kill, Hard to Kill. No, no, no. They're not all the same character. They're, are they not? They're not. I th- they're, they're just very similar films. <laughs> And they're him with the same haircut and the same look. Yeah, the ponytail and vests. Which he sacrificed because of the Navy standards. He did this for this film. He had to cut off. It wouldn't be realistic to have a ponytail in the Navy. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, Charlie. Getting ahead. <laughs> so how did we get this film, George? How, who's responsible? So, yeah, um, as you say, Seagal had, had done a few films. And I think he was on a contract of sorts with Warner Brothers. So he'd done, apart from Nico, lots of three-word titles. So there was uh, Above the Law, Out for Justice, and Hard to Kill, I think, were three films. Was he in a film called Half Past Dead? He was indeed. One of my favourite <laughs> film titles. Steve, what time is it? It's Half Past Dead. How, who cut that? I mean, that's just, it's, it's sort of like the sort of, it's like a Simpsons joke. It is. You'd expect this. It, it's, it's almost like, what's, what's Arnold Schwarzenegger's next film? That's what it sounds like. It's like a parody of a real film name. Especially as the Americans don't really use that terminology. They're like, they don't use like, oh, it's half past two. They say it's No, it's 8.30 or 4.30. Yeah, because I remember be, uh, working with some Americans. And I was like, oh, I'll meet you in the bar at, uh, at half eight. And they were like, what, you mean four o'clock? And I was like, no, half past eight. <laughs> but anyway, so I think the studio were looking for a big, big project for for Seagal. And 
the script had been written, believe it or not, by the same guy who wrote Pretty Woman. So a guy called J.F. Lawton um, wrote a script called Dreadnought. And originally it was a really expensive uh, script that had multiple warships blowing up and stuff like that. <laughs> so they, they scaled it down and they were like, hang on, the, you know, the studio thought uh, this could be a, a project for, for Seagal. So they took it to him and he was like, I'm not too sure about this. And he, <laughs> he wanted to put some input into it. They got back Andrew Davis, who he'd worked with Seagal on Above the Law. And apparently uh, Davis had a, a meeting with one of the producers and his way of luring Davis back was like, Seagal's only in the, in the movie for 41 minutes. And he was like... It was fine. It was fine. Uh, we had a lot of fun making the movie. And Andrew Davis, after this, went straight on to do The Fugitive, which is probably his biggest film. So he's got I'm a lot keeping of... keeping Tommy. The rest of you are out of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pr- pr- pretty much. So it was always a project for Seagal, as, as far as I know. And there was some tweaks to the original script. They pared it down, but it was very much going to be a project for him. Throughout filming, it was known as Dreadnought. But surprise, surprise, the, the title test awfully with audiences. They, they just, it's not three words. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Warner Brothers wanted to go with the classic three-word title. So they came up with the, the title, Last to Surrender. And even Seagal said that was a terrible title. Both him and the writer, Lawrence, both said they hated the title and they fought to change it. And I think Seagal managed to convince them to change it to what we know and love, Under Siege. Two words. Two words. Two words. I know. He, he was, you know, breaking convention there. So, uh, as you know, the the story is based on the, the USS Missouri, which is a real ship. And quite handily in the film, we get a nice bit of... Uh, George expos- Bush. Exposition, real exposition at, at the start. And apparently this, this was uh, Seagal's idea that there was this whole Pearl Harbor memorial in 1991. And Seagal was like, well, I, let's, let's send a film crew and get footage of the boat and get footage of, you know, President at the time, George Bush, talking about it. So that's all, all real. And obviously... Yeah, Very clever. Um, the, the Missouri was, yeah, a key, a key ship in uh, the, the sur- Japanese surrender of World War II. So well, yes, there was, Pearl, there was Pearl Harbor and then the Missouri was, was the re- retaliation and it was yes. the end of the Second World War for the Americans. Exactly. Well, the end of the Second World War, pretty much. Yeah, it, yeah. So it had been going, you know, pretty much for for fifty years, and amazingly, it was it was still in in commission when Under Siege was in production. So whilst they've got the footage of it at the start, they used another warship for the actual filming, uh, w- which was a retired battleship, the USS Alabama. But this is this is the fun part. So they used this. Uh, the USS Alabama was docked in Alabama, in Mobile Bay, apparently, um, but it was. It was docked the whole time, so they had to create that illusion that it was at sea, and very cleverly, lots of camera angles, and I was looking out for it when watching the film again. They actually do quite a good job of doing it, but because it's, um, it was in, in the bay, they had, they had to basically create this massive backdrop on a barge behind the boat to to block out all the city lights and stuff like that. So basically like it's a stage. Good physical work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, um, obviously in you know, today's, you know, work, they could they could CGI the, the shit out of it, essentially. Yeah, um, But, uh, yeah, no, I think they did a, um, a really good job of, of making it feel like 
yeah, you know, there's a lot of stock footage. But yeah, all the all the action was when it was was docked in in the bay, sitting on the dock of the bay. talk about the cast well what a cast what a cast for this one you've got you've got two for the price of one in terms of hammy bad guys you've got not only <laughs> the great gary boosie who we've uh, crazy boosie crazy boosie who we've waxed wax lyrical about um on previous podcasts in uh, point break but you have tommy lee jones as well and i think tommy lee jones this was a bit of a a Lee Jones essence for him because Tommy Lee Jones had been around for acting for about twenty years, um, and he'd been in sort of uh, you know B movies. I'd seen yeah, I've seen yeah, I've seen the posters. Yeah, B, yeah, mainly B movies. Um, but this was I think the, the film that started putting him onto that sort of proper rise because yeah, as we've briefly mentioned, so he did this. And then the following film he did was The Fugitive with director Andrew Davis, which got it uh, Tommy Lee Jones the Oscar nomination, uh, Oscar win. And then from then yeah. on, he just shot, you know, think, you know, Men in Black, um, you know, all, basically all the mass. You know, became he became a huge household name. You know, one of the biggest, well, stars or uh, you know, most sort of respected actors in, in Hollywood. And old country for old men. I mean, pops yeah, no, up no, no, again, country again. for old men. You know, and. And What's yeah, he been in recently with the beard? I can't remember. Oh, he was in. Uh, he was in Lincoln. He was in. Um, I'm trying to think what he's been in. I mean, obviously, he's still working. He's still getting. You know, still doing loads of stuff. I loved him in this. Oh no, he's he's fantastic, and he. You know, it's it's funny when you think about like this is. I would argue this is him hamming it up in a good way. And him in Batman Forever is humming it up in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, because that's agreed. because he's he's fantastic in this. He's like as he's subtle. He, as soon as he's on the screen, you're just you're hooked to him. He's like he's he is basically he grabs the attention, and he's he's you know he's so zany, he's so nuts, and you can see you can almost see. And it'll be interesting to get the. Uh, the lowdown, it was a much competition between him and Boosie because it's almost like they are trying to outdo each other. I think, I mean, I've, I've written that down, you know, just the, the Boosie, the Boosie bands with uh, T, TLJ, as I was calling him in my notes, Tom Lee Jones. Uh, no, I, I, I did the exact same thing. It's, it's, it's too many words to write. Um, no, but I mean, it's, it's, it really adds something to the film. And I, I don't know about you, but obviously, as I said, I, I watched this as a very young, you know, teenager. And since now going back, it means so much to me now, the fact that I really, I don't think I got how multi-layered Tommy Lee Jones' backstory was. The fact that he was a former agent and that because he was obviously a bit nuts, um, the CIA tried to kill him and this was a retaliation for that. I did, don't think I got all that the first time. So that, that added an extra layer to my comprehension. And it's something else I find that throughout it, the amount of respect he pays uh, Seagal when he finds out it's a seal the way they all react it's a real kind of you know I guess blowing the trumpet of the US Navy but it, I don't know there was something good about that whereas in in Die Hard Rickman is just sees McLean as a nuisance he completely underestimates him a fly in the ordinary <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's an interesting take because yeah, I'm I'm the same. I don't think I got the those layers as you're talking about. But again, I think because they do sort of talk about it, the expositions done quite cleverly in terms of I think they decide to get rid of him because he knew too much or like he, he was on a mission that went wrong. And not that he was nuts, but he's playing up the angle that he's nuts when he's on the phone to them. So yeah. when he's first doing the I demands, he's, he's like, I'm a crazy, you know, he's, 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 he's comp- you know, saying, oh he's, oh, he's completely lost it. But then at, by the yeah. end of the film, he's like, yeah, he has totally lost it. That's what I mean. I, I felt after watching this film that it was a very much is Hamlet really mad thing going on throughout this. And that's not, that's not me going too nuts with it. It is, it's like he, in the film, as you say, he's pretending to be crazy. Yeah. Then he's acting crazy. And then at the end, you're like, was he actually, something's, maybe it was the fact that the CIA tried to whack him, get him whacked, that set him off. And this is what, the, what happens when one of their, as you see happens in uh, them saying many other films, this was your monster. You know, you've, you've lost control of it sort of thing. But I think he's brilliant in this. He's, he's, yes, he, when he's play acting as the rocker guy and he does that very well, but just as a double agent would. But then when he's, when he totally comes out of his shell, he's authoritative, he's scary, he's terrifying, but he's also very subtle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I love the fact that it just, they make no effort to try and cover up that Boosie is, is a traitor in the ranks. It's just clearly like, <laughs> he's such a shit. He's going, he's clearly evil. I just love that scene. Uh, Cause obviously, you know, we've, at this point, we've also, we should probably mention how Seagal is introduced just the most popular chef that you'll ever meet. And I'm sorry, but I've worked in like three or four different bar or restaurant. And I'm sure you have too. And I think chefs have a certain reputation and it's not normally that they get on with everyone. <laughs> yes, I, I was thinking that very much so. Like, everyone's like, hey, Casey, come on, yeah. He's the coolest guy ever. It's like yeah. you do what the fucking chef tells you, well, and you get your Oscar. Where's my fucking <laughs> bullet base? Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. It's not like, hey, man. And yeah. they've got their own little rapper who oh, comes in and does a dance. Cue ball. Is oh, it cue ball? Cue ball, yeah. And fly. I mean, you were talking about uh, casting before. I mean, and obviously you've got, you know, you've got Jones, you've got Boosie, you've, you've got Seagal, but there's so many I've put in my notes. It's that guy. So you've got... The Mexican guy who's in The Rock, I want to yes. say, is, is and one he, of his and, mates. And, and, and when you need a Mexican gangster, he crops up in most films as well. Yeah. Um, you've got the ginger, ginger dude from 24 and Transformers. And- I was just, I've got that, I've got that literally written in my notes, literally in my notes. Who's always the same thing. Who's always a figure of authority, military mainly. And you've got... He's um, also been in that uh, Bloodline. He was the bad guy in the first series of uh, Bloodline. He was, yes, correct. I've never finished that series. It's so bloody slow. It's so bloody slow. It's great. And then... Yeah, it's like Mr. Robot. They have a second season and they don't know what to do because they went all in. We panicked. All in. We panicked. Shot our load. We shot the entire thing. Yeah. Um, you've also got one of my favourite dudes, the white-haired dude from every military film ever made. Got that written down from Mission Impossible. Barnes. Barnes. <laughs> so yeah, he, we love him. It, we, we love, love him. him. But he's he's got an amazing career. Like um, uh, there's he there's, was in the army as well. Well, that's it. He's a he started off as a military advisor. So he was in the army. He was in Vietnam. 
but he started off as a military advisor for uh, Oliver Stone for Platoon. So he put the whole cast through boot camp for Platoon. And then he he's a, has a small part in Platoon. But he's cropped in loads of films. He's written books. He's directed films. He's still starring in stuff. So he's been in loads of films that, you know, you would oh, have seen yeah, him in so many times. He's in Saving Private Ryan, Mission Impossible. He's in Starship Troopers. Again, most of the cases playing a man, a military figure, but he's brilliant at it. Love him. SEAL Team 5 will launch from Nimitz aboard a CH-53 Echo with an Apache gunship in support. At the objective area, the Apache will take out Missouri's radar and her electronic warfare systems. Then SEAL Team 5 will board and retake the vessel. And I, I do like is it Admiral, Admiral Baines or Admiral Barnes. I think he's... my Yeah, the word that uh, Admiral Barnes, the guy, what I've written down is like, it's the, it's the American answer to M from James Bond. He's like such a, that sort of, doesn't he look like an M? He looks oh, yeah, like very a, much so. Uh, his look and feel, and I think the banter's good. And as I say, Seagal is a bit of a smart ass throughout this, but he does all the choreography brilliantly. He's in his prime, even though he seems to be not as thin as he is well, in his early in, films. Uh, a lot of loose vests. <laughs> a lot of loose clothing. Um, Maybe it's the uh, so, whites, but it's the, but those baggy vests. No, it's a character. He's just playing a chef. He wanted to make it believable. It's very well. It's very well put together. Yeah. No. It's it is quite interesting the fact that you see very little of Segal. I mean, following that sort of kitchen interlude <laughs> where he turns out to, appears to be the most popular man on the ship. When they put you know when they pretty much put him in the brig, it's all it's all the setup. It's it's the party. It's Boosie. It's it's Lee Jones. Yeah, um, and he doesn't really get unleashed for say a while. Much. It it doesn't yeah. say a lot. I don't know if it was you or the fact I've got um, if it was same for you, um, but I've just got a new tally and I found some of the dialogue was inaudible. I don't know if it was, I found that as well because yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, yeah, he, let's it, be honest through YouTube YouTube on my PlayStation. Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, let's be honest, Seagal isn't the most, you know, doesn't have the clearest diction. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have I have put in my notes that he's delivering some of his lines like he's half asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can see Eric Alenia's looking at him going, what? <laughs> I, I only know what you're saying because I've got it written down in my lines too, but I mean, come on. Just a lowly, lowly cock. I loved some of the how close it's trying to be Die Hard. It even has the geek with the computer cliche, um, the yeah. Theo wannabe. And um, the thing I kind of forgot about, but then it's kind of what made Under Siege, Under Siege was I've put the A-Team slash MacGyver type death traps. Lots of, oh, yes. Yeah. Lots of homemade bombs. When there's lots of the bombs grenade. available, but he's making but them no, into the, different the, bombs. The, the grenade, the grenades behind the door. The um, I love the bomb that's in the microwave. Now that I know, paint cleaner. Okay, some foil cloth. Put it in a mug. Put it in the microwave and time it just to go off when the terrorists have finally yeah, caught us. This whole thing where he's, he's cooking the like the the nuke warhead and he's draining yeah. that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's lots of like taking grenades apart and taking a nuclear weapon apart. It's like, why does he keep dismantling explosives to make more explosives? <laughs> because he's, he's a chef. Because he, he can. He, he can't because stop he can. tinkering. He can't stop tinkering. <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, obviously we're not... We're, we're poor, trying to... poor Erica. The camera loves her just a bit too much. It's just like... Oh, it's, well, there it's, is a part where she gets off the uh, gets off the chopper, and the camera does just literally pivot down to her ass, like you getting this, guys? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're getting this. 
But I put that down to, in their defense, they were just like, hey, Navy, sailor bats. They haven't seen any any skirt in months. And that's what sailors are like. They get really, really horny or, or physical. You know, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, there's, there's some stuff that's dated quite badly. Like, um, is it uh, is it Busey that says to Ryback, you punch like a fag? <laughs> I just love Crazy Busey. He's, 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 he's doing what he does best. I mean, from the second he's on the screen, he is villain up to the mask, chewing off the scenery. I mean, no, it's... I, I uh, I haven't managed to find a, a proper sort of documentation of this, but it, I, f- I do find this easy to believe that apparently Boosie and Drag was Boosie's idea. It re- wasn't in the script originally. That that kind of adds up for me, yeah. No, no, you don't really need to go, oh, no, I'm doing it in drag. Doing, I've, <laughs> I've got my own costume. <laughs> he's amazing in everything he's in. It's just like more uh, Gary Busey, please. Yeah, I mean, I would say this is one of, one of his best roles. I mean... As we talked about, um, obviously we talked he about him. He was still quite unknown. And we, we, we talked about him in, uh, in Lethal Weapon, didn't Lethal we? Weapon. Um, I mean, Lethal Weapon was the first time, and I think I discovered him after I discovered him in films like this. And I, th- I think that's it. Like Lethal Weapon kind of, as we touched on, kind of gave him a bit of a, him a, a career resurgence, but also paved the, the way for him just becoming a bit of a rent-a-bad guy. And that's why... Uh, yeah, I think we we both love his performance in Point Break so much because out of all he's his other guy. roles, he's, he's he's a good guy for once. But I think I'm very lovable. Obviously, Mr. Joshua is the sort of <laughs> the strong, silent type, pretty much. I just love how venomous Commander Krill is. He's he's just like, let me get rid of him. Leave it. I to think me. if I ever if I ever get a dog, I'm going to call it either. Commander, what is it? Commander Krill? Commander Krill or, or Mr. Joshua. I think Mr. Joshua would be the best name ever for a dog. Definitely, because... <laughs> Mr. Mr. Joshua. Especially when you get angry and you're shouting it across the park. <laughs> Mr. Joshua! One actor who obviously there's there's only so much screen space, but um, Segal, as I said, is giving it to us with his um, his his approach, his bands. But he's more it's more the performance. He's a great performer. Actually, that, that's it. So yeah, the martial arts is done brilliantly. His weapon proficiency, all of that. You also see him throughout the film get a few knocks and grazes. He's not complete. He's not immortal. Um, but one actor who I feel who's introduced early on, he's one of the main top henchmen who's not really used enough is our friend from Con Air, um, Meanie Colin. Oh, sorry, sorry, I mean oh, Colin Meanie. Oh, Colin Meanie. Totally underused, considering, but I guess there's not enough screen, because he's so menacing, Colin Meanie. It, he, you know, he just, he says very, he's, it's a very, I suppose he's quite young in this. This is his... Well, no, I mean, that's, that's what Colin Meanie specialises in. He's been, he's very much a character actor through and through. He's, he's rarely a lead, but he... Whenever he turns up, he's one of those you know those people that we always champion. That he, whenever he turns up in a film, you're like, yes, it's that guy. You know, he's, he's Alpha great. Papa. Recently, it was just like <laughs> just <brilliant>. Zach Pat. <laughs> <laughs> the but yeah, the it was just brilliant. He just from the off, and so yeah, I think I was watching. It, I was like, oh look, it's it's a mini column, and yeah, he just he's kind of just a typical henchman. It's just, but I suppose that's what this was. It was like you have a main villain. You have a main hero, 
and there's obviously the brass or the you know HQ in the middle, you know, and that's it. You can't have big actors everywhere. Well, no, I, th- I think they do, you know, a, a good job, and it's something again, you know, we're repeating ourselves, but the '90s and '80s did really well. They put really interesting ar- actors in very small roles, and they made it interesting, you know. And these same guys that are popping up again and again throughout these films, and I suppose that adds to the nostalgia of, oh, it's that guy, it's him again. Um, well, the, t- there's the guy who who's one of the first mate, not the guy who does the big guns the but he's in um he was in demolition man and i mentioned at the time that he's oh, also and still a, in a, bosch a, ace ventura oh right yeah he's who's the big guy who talks yeah. about that it's like uh, um yeah so yeah he really i mean i say we look at these films in the 90s and it just seems to be now that you have you have sort of tentpole actors in films and then tv actors whereas back then Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I just see it as a time where there was a lot of actors who weren't on TV. They were just in supporting roles. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they did, you know. Yeah, yeah. And now they'd go from movie to movie, and they didn't do TV. The TV acting was looked at differently during yeah. the nineties. You were either a movie star, and if you were on TV, you were you were you were moonlighting at best. If you were a big star, mm. it wasn't your. You didn't. They didn't associate like it is today. some great 90s exposition cliches um your favorite pulled his file um, pulled his jacket no but the fact is yeah. in this there's there's moments where both the villains and the guys in the war room both pull casey ryback's file so you're getting different bits of background from the villains it's just like ryback is an ex-seal goddamn cooks a seal shut up and listen expert in martial arts Explosives, weapons and tactics, Silver Star, Navy Cross, Purple Heart with Cluster, and security clearance revoked after Panama. That means he couldn't hold any rating except that of a yeoman or a cook. Ryback? Casey Ryback? Chief Ryback? That guy, I I wish we had him here today. And it's like, well, maybe we do. He's on the phone now. And I think that's that's something, before I forget, drinking game, every time the, 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 the word Ryback is said, you have to have a drink. Because you will be shitted by the end of this. Well, listen, I'd obviously had a few glasses of my favourite red when I watched this film, and and what I all like all I was thinking about at this scene is you could do such a brilliant parody of that. Well, it's like so. Sorry, what's happened? It's like well, Seal, Seal Team Five uh, are going to fly they're, in. They're, they're the best guys on the job. They've been downed, but we're right back on the phone. Imagine if you're in the situation room, someone up and goes, guys, this is just like Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, a few years had passed, but you can imagine Uh, in a parody film somewhere, um, because it it does play out. But yeah, you have all of that. Wouldn't it be great? And yes, he calls in and he's one of ours and he's a seal. And there's a lot of, you know, I was like, America, fuck yeah. I mean, There's, there's a lot of that. I was a little bit disappointed that on the SEAL Team 5 wasn't led by Michael Bean, but I suppose we can't have... Maybe he was, but maybe he was, but they got, they got blown up. <laughs> they couldn't afford it. Uh, but yeah, if anybody was going to play that role, it would be Michael Bean. This um, is a live fire exercise. Um, we also have the crooked CIA guy in the war room. How do we know he's crooked, Charlie? Smokes. He's smoking. He's the only... And he smokes a lot. 
inside god love it in the 90s when you could smoke inside didn't you well, horrible. That's, that, that's, that's one thing that dates it the other thing that dates it that i noticed um, i got the power that, that, that's 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 never gonna date that song that's <laughs> the boom boxes notice the fact in the war room they're getting all the updates on printed bits of paper in a file it's just like i don't know we've just heard this it's like hang on, if you're getting instant updates, it's like, why are you printing it onto paper, putting it in a file, and then running it? Someone's like, obviously in today's thing, it would just be thing notifications popping yeah. up. But that was the thing. It's just like urgent news, but I've just printed it off for you. <laughs> we're out of printing. We were meant to print this out earlier. Now, I, I like, I do like the fact you've got the Situation Room and you've got that. And, you know, we talk, I know you've mentioned the exposition that goes on. I think the one thing, and you, you notice this, obviously when you start the film and at the end, it's how short it is. It's brilliantly paced. Yeah. You know, one hour, one hour 42, it's like... So economic. Well, um, it, the the film was, uh, you know, it, it was good enough because Harrison Ford was sitting on the fence about doing The Fugitive and he saw a rough cut of this and he's like, okay, yeah, this film's pretty good. I'll, I'll sign up to do The Fugitive. And it is, you know, it's, it's as you say, it's it's pacey. It's, and out of the, you know, the diehard. Oh, no, die, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, the diehard clones. And I think we talked about this in our speed episodes. You know, there's, there's so many ripoffs of that formula, but this and Speed are definitely up there with the best. Yeah, and then, as we said before, in terms of Seagal, we do love him, um, and we especially love him in this. It was kind of the peak, and he then went on to make a number of other films. And he, I think he struggled to... He, this was not so much lightning in a bottle, but it just it, it's high-quality film. It's like it looks like it's just an actioner, but it's a, it's a great military film in, in some ways, but it's a good take on the Die Hard thing, but it's done very well. It's not, it's not a rush job. It's not a cash grab. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Like every other... Yes, yes, pretty much every other film. <laughs> I mean, I think he has a film coming out every I'm month. I'm not saying that. He has a film coming out every month these days, I'm sure. But apparently, I think even as, as recent as maybe 2014, he was still threatening Under Siege 3. I don't think the world's ready for that. Give it a bit more time. And would you know, because he's, isn't he big, big friends with uh, Vladimir Putin? Yeah, yeah, isn't he hot? Yeah, he's like talked about moving I, I, I to think, Russia. I, I think he lives in Russia now. And his, I think his idea, his pitch for, for Under Siege 3 was Ru- Russian and American forces working together for a greater good or something. Sounds awful. He's a man of many talents. They used to say, or well, I think he used to say, he was the most decorated martial artist in Hollywood. It's just a shame he runs like a fat. Well, in the lady. world, even in this, he runs like a fat. Lady. He does. There's a bit where he's running towards the helicopter for that iconic yeah. moment, but yeah. and he is a bit of a Roger Moore run. He runs pretty much from like the knees down. It's a bit of a a, a trot. There's there's yeah. no urgency. But no, I think the plot kind of holds together. As I say, we see the. We go back to seeing the great bands between Busey and uh, Tom Lee Jones. And then obviously the plot jumps through hoops. Yes, it's a bit inconceivable or it's a bit convenient, but no more so than any other film of this genre. Uh, and yeah, as I said, one of the things I like is how they immediately show respect. It's like, oh God, he's a seal. Oh no. There's a few inconsistencies. Like, uh, I mean, oh yeah, it makes no sense that, why do they bring Erica Elenia on the boat at all? You know, if she's just like going to be a hindrance, why do they bother bringing her as part of the band and the setup and stuff like that? 
and they completely forget about her as well. They're just like, oh, yeah, she, yeah. She's, she's fine. She's somewhere. But the other thing that I noticed watching it this time around is when, obviously, um, everyone's saying, Ryback, oh, yes, it's Ryback. He's just a chef. And uh, and Tommy Lee Jones is like, is this guy going to be a problem? Oh, no, absolutely not. And then it's like, oh, no, he's, he turns out he's... He's an ex. He's a badass. And then at the end, like Tommy Lee Jones, is like, oh well, I've never heard of him. But then when they go to face off against oh, yeah, each other, I know you. I know you. And it's like I know you. And it's sort of like we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh god, this is so cliche. He's like, you didn't know each other before, <laughs> but for the fight, they do know each other. Yeah, um, I know you are. don't know what Seagal's saying with that. But he's just, he's just yeah. squinting at the camera. I mean, I think it was. Um, I haven't. I haven't seen it uh, for a few years. I, I think it. God, I don't know when the last time I saw it. I loved it though. Going back to it, um, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, maybe I hadn't had as much red wine as you had, but uh, just a no, bottle, I, just a bottle every few hours. I did enjoy it. The best Seagal movie that that's been done, but that's really not. <laughs> have you really seen? Have you seen Exit Wounds? Have you seen The Glimmer uh, Man? Have you have you have you really given those films the time that they deserve? That, that is yes. true. I I I um I am being very assumptive because I, I haven't seen any of his uh, straight to video films. I think I've seen it. I think one of the last films. He was in, and again, one of the, the most uh, highly reviewed films he's been in recently was He's the Bad Guy in Machete. Oh, know? right, yeah, because I saw that pop up when I was doing a bit of research on this. Um, like, yeah, it's his highest grossing film apart from Machete. Um, which I haven't, which I can't remember. I think I watched pretty drunk and was still like, meh. It's, it's like a, well, Machete did start off as a, a two-minute fake joke trailer and stretched to 90 minutes. It. Yeah, but yeah, he was nobody. He was the bad guy in the first Desperado. It's essentially that guy, isn't it? Yeah, essentially, it's a bit like that. It's a, it's a, he's he's the evil kingpin type bloke. Shall we uh, move on to Kudu Shudu? Go for it. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So Kudu Shudu in this, I say, it was always a project for. For Seagal, but in terms of alternative casting for Jordan Tate, the the stripper that, that turns into <laughs> the the ally of Katie Ryback, apparently Pamela, no, no, other than Pamela Anderson was offered the role, but she claims that Seagal was insisting she got nude for the audition and she refused to. So that that's her word. Um, against uh, Seagal's, but yeah, she she didn't think <laughs> it was um, it was appropriate. Uh, so yeah, she almost got the role. Uh, another Baywatch, obviously cast uh, Casty. I'm sh- I'm sure I read somewhere there was there was some other that were pro- of people approached for villains, but I don't seem to have them to hand. Okay, so that so that was could have should have people a very, who were a cons- very risk could have would have should have. Okay, um, what are we doing this time for special features? Are we going to, because I mean, I think overall we can say it was, it's still a good movie. Uh, it's enjoyable to go back. It's a high quality 
derivative of Die Hard, but it's a good one. Um, shall we touch on, should we go into some dark territory and talk about and Siege 2 dark territory? Please do, because you have rewatched this recently, haven't you? Well, I mean, I it, it's on Amazon Prime at the minute. Um, I noticed yeah. it was on Amazon Prime, and I've I watched about half of it last night. So I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but interestingly, doing some research on this, so the nineties action sequels they seem to have this trend of starting off as an original script and then to being sort of retconned or retrofitted into a sequel. So Die Hard 2 start, was an adaptation of a, a novel called, like, completely unconnected to Die Hard. Die Hard 3 did the same thing. It started off as a, a, a script called Simon Says, and they turned that in. And I think at one point it was all... How Says spelt? Uh, not not in the, in the same way as the that Dennis Rodman film says S E Z, which George bought for me on DVD. I think twice, at least once, at least once. <laughs> it's a great film, Dennis Rodman. What what happened to his career? Um, but yeah, so there was there was this uh, trend of film starting off and then being turned into something else. So I think the script for that was that became Speed 2 was at some point going to be a diehard script. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't happen. And we got, as I say, um, Simon, says, Simon Says <laughs> turned into Die Hard with a Vengeance. But there was original script written by or co-written by Matt Reeves, who uh, would go on to direct Cloverfield, uh, Let Me In, the Planet of the Apes, uh, well, the last two Planet of the Apes films and is currently working on the new Batman film, he co-wrote a script called Dark Territory, uh, which was bought by Warner Brothers and turned into, just 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 change it into a, a, an Under Siege film. So yeah, I watched uh, I watched it, well, half of it last night, and I haven't watched it in years. There's a few things that come to mind. It's got some, again, it's got some great character actors in it. It's got all of those, oh, it's that guy. So um, it's got the guy, I think he's called in real life, uh, Peter Green, who's most famously uh, Zed from Pulp Fiction, The Man with the Gimp. And he's also the bat, the main bad guy in the mask. Yeah. Um, and what else is he in? He's in. He's in a few nineties films. Who else? I was telling you last night. It had the guy who plays. He's in loads of films, but he's the traitorous. Oh, guy. in Breaking Bad. No. Yes, it's got Mike from Breaking Bad. He's in it um, in a tiny role. It's got the guy from License to Kill. You know the old buddy. You know the guy that um, Sanchez bribes. Yeah. Who, who, as you described. The guy that looks a bit like Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. <laughs> Stamper. Stamper. And it's also got Catherine Heigl, who's in, uh, what's it called? Uh, Knocked Up. Knocked Up. So, yeah, it's got like lots of random people in. It seems like you can, now knowing it started off as a different film, you can totally tell because it spends so much time talk, setting up the plot, which is about very much a Bond plot. And it, and it came out, I think, the same year as Gold Knight, about a satellite that can strike from space and blow up stuff. And yeah. the CGI on the satellite is terrible. <laughs> um, and they really spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> Look at this. We spent so much money on this. Whereas... Goldeneye, as we touched, um, you know, great model work. It's minimal. Yeah, it's all, it's all and it's minimal CGI. But yeah, they, they spend so much time setting up the satellite, the background. Oh, it's also got, um, 
our favourite man, Kurtwood Smith, uh, you know, Clarence Boddicker, he's the one of the military guys in it, as Brilliant. well as as well as bringing back um, Admiral Bates and our whitehead man, Dale Dye. So, yes, um, I say I, I didn't get halfway through. I didn't even get to the part where Seagal started making homemade bombs again. But this, this time, <laughs> probably more more apt because he's not on a military carrier full of weapons. But, yeah, it's no, it's nowhere near as, as good or as fun as, as the original. It is very much a sort of meh film. But uh, I say I, I, I found myself I was surprised at how long I, I was watching it for. Well, I mean, I'm no, I'm no completist, but I mean, I haven't got many Seagal films. I tell you what, I have got. Do you know what Steven Seagal has been doing for almost twenty years while he was acting? Now, didn't I buy this for you? You are bringing it into shot. I bought that for you. Yes, you did. This is Steven Seagal Lawman, the complete he, season one. Was there a season two? I'm not sure. He's because <laughs> he, he is a real life sheriff or deputy sheriff. Is that right? Let me read this out to you. Read okay, the blurb. So, read the blurb. So, yeah, um, an expert martial artist with a seven-degree black belt in Aikido. He ranks among the film industry's greatest action stars. But Steven Seagal isn't just an action hero. For almost 20 years, he has been working as a fully commissioned deputy sheriff in Jefferson, Paris, Louisiana. So, yeah, in addition to going on patrol, he's an expert marksman and he works with the SWAT teams and instructs their officers on firearms and hand-to-hand combat. Well, Charlie, let's not forget this same man, this, this you know, most highly, highly decorated martial artist of, of all time. He's also in it, has a jazz band. I think he's at Thunderhook or something. Uh, he also has or did have his own energy drink for a while. So he's a man of many talents and he probably he's got can. his own sauce. He probably, he probably he already can cook as well. Yeah, no, I was saying he's got his own sources like Paul Newman. He's like got many different things. He's got it. He's on a, he's almost, I'm not saying he's like Tiger King guy. He's got, you know, his own show, but it's almost like that. He's, he's a big brand uh, is the, is the Seagal. And obviously he, he was producing back in 92. You know, he, he produced Under Siege. Well, well he so. would, obviously, yeah, he produced this. He um, did some tweaks to the script, but then he would go on to do his, um, his magnum opus, which was, on on deadly ground, another th- three. That's weeks the island. one in Alaska. That's, That's the, one. the one in Alaska with with Michael Caine as the bad guy. And I don't think I've seen that for a long time. It's terrible. Um, and he's got. A bit, <laughs> it, he's called something like he's he's a, a an shaman, Indian chief, Indian shaman, uh, ninja, so <laughs> CIA guy as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's called Forrest Taft in that because I remember I used to on my sign-in sheet when I used to work in a call centre. I used to just go through Seagal's character names, and they were all ridiculous. <laughs> um, but Forrest Taft was was the the best one. Um, Casey and Ryback's and a good I, name. Casey Ryback, Gino Fellino, Mason Storm. <laughs> Mason Storm is, I think, out for justice. But that's that's a good one, Mason Storm. The only type, the only name, the type of name you get in a film like that. Um, Brilliant. But yes, On Deadly Ground is, I mean, it's got like, you know, quite a strong uh, eco, you know, environmental message that I think the studio mandated that Seagal had to cut down because I think the last 10 minutes is him just preaching to the camera. But yeah, I don't think we're going to cover that. But, you know, there's always that if, if, if we need it. I'd forgotten.
forgotten, uh, or maybe it was an edited version when I originally saw Under Siege, but I remember the in the knife fight, the great the, the monkey knife, knife the monkey knife fight. Is it in the submarine? Is it in the battleship? I can't remember. No, it's in the battleship. I remember the thumb, the the, the old thumb the eye trick. Yeah. Um, but I maybe it was edited. I can't remember the throw rip. The oh the, the classic uh, Patrick Swayze throw Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Yeah, um, that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think we probably got the the edited version in the UK. They were I think I did read somewhere that the UK version was originally heavily edited, but the the digital version they've put it back in with the throat ripping and knife in the head as well as thumb in the eye and knife in the in, in the, clearly a dummy's head. Yeah, no, but I think they had both the thumb in the eye and the knife in the head, but the throat rip wasn't in the okay. original version. But I, I mean, there's still two pretty violent images, but I think all three together, it's, it's a bit much. And and there's also the 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 fight, which is a very good fight, probably one of the best fights, I'd say, uh, in the workshop room where he chucks the guy through the saw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, brutal. Absolutely brutal fight, but that's my favorite favorite scene in terms of uh, choreography. That that's well, then you got to hand it to him. Yeah, you got to hand it to Gal. He does do. He does know how to make it look very, very impressive. Well, I think, and I think that was it. It was a different change of pace for for action fans because you obviously had Van Damme with all his flying kicks and stuff like that, and to see that up close, you know, close contact. It was a different style of fighting, I suppose, that we weren't used to. Yeah, because, I mean, it was like we obviously saw... Um, and we tried practicing it and you just end up just slapping yourselves like very fast. Yeah, it's like, is, is, is that what's going on? Yeah, but I mean, if we think of more recently, The Raid, that took martial yeah. art films to another level. It was like, we just hadn't, we weren't familiar with that sort of, is it Singapore they're from? Um, Indonesia. Indo- that Indonesian mm. way of fighting, um, yeah. Yeah, which is very fluid like this. But yeah, yeah. it's impressive to watch. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but Seagal started his, his Hollywood career um, as a stunt coordinator teaching Sean Connery on Never Say Never Again. He was the, the, really? stunt, yeah, the stunt coordinator and broke Sean Connery's wrist. <laughs> nice. You see, Sean, you just do it like this. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do about my golf? <laughs> you would not have liked that. Um, yeah, so no, I think as we've as we said, this is a good film. He didn't go on to, I don't know, maybe the, I think what's interesting, we were talking about how at this time, there were film ideas that were being reverse engineered in the sequels. And it, I guess it kind of, if we look at the world that Hollywood's in right now, I mean, we, you and I joke or we accuse them frequently as an industry that seems to have run out of ideas or they are risk averse in terms of moving away from established brand franchises. And what it seems to be happening in the 90s here is that there were actually lots of ideas. There were so many ideas that they were being but there was already this fear of, of got to invest in a franchise. It's like, that's a great movie idea, but we've got to turn this, this one into a franchise. So we're, we're turning it into a sequel. Yeah. Very uh, much the business end. So what you're saying is that we should expect a reboot starring John Cena any, any day now? Any day, any minute now. It'll just be John Cena running about his living room because he's on lockdown. That's true. That's true. What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to see stuff getting released early for streaming services, but 
can be a bit I'm not going to see any I mean I'm glad I've got my copy of Steven Seagal Lawman you well, know exactly Go back that, to the classic. that's physical media that's physical media baby exactly yeah um, yeah so w- is there anything else we need to cover on Under Siege um, I think no, I've said everything I, I wanted no, to say I think we've said this, you know, in terms of, you know, I think it's still fans. I think it's safe to say, though, you know, you and I are have a lot more love for the other action stars out there. Obviously, we've covered a lot of Arnie. We've done double JCVD, and we may do more JCVD in future because I think there is a bit more charm, a bit more fun with those performances. Whereas, yes. I say Seagal isn't the best leading man. You know, he mumbles his lines. Uh, he's a good, he's, you know, he's a talented performer. And I think that's why Under Siege is that perfect sort of lightning in a bottle. Works, works very well yeah. and they haven't really captured it since then. I mean, obviously one of the higher points is uh, of the better films he was in, Executive Decision. Uh, spoiler yeah. alert, the one where he gets killed off very quickly. But that was, you know... So 14 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> 14 minutes, it was like, what? He's, he's basically SEAL Team 5. <laughs> um, look at what you've become. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I know, I think that's that's all to say. It's, you know, it's a, it's a fun little film. Obviously, it's, it's, an, it's no Die Hard, but, you know, when Die Hard is one of the best action films ever made, it's, it's hard to... Uh, be up there but yeah w- worth the revisit yeah solid film a solid action film right well um do we know what we're going to be coming back with in our next episode there's a few irons in the fire i was going to suggest teenage mutant ninja turtles because it's 30 years old yes and should we do tmnt2 as well should we do the rap i thought you were going to say should we do ninja ninja rap? No, no, I mean, no. We're going to do turtles. I can't do turtles without doing. Um, the, you mean the partners in crime? The vanilla ice. The no, vanilla no, ice. No, no, Charlie. Let's not forget what you had on uh, on the uh, L, you know vinyl single. The partners in crime. Crime spelled C R Y M E. You know. Heroes in a half shell. They're on a mission. It's all coming back to you now. And they stayed at home instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning. No, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But we'll also, yeah, we may as well always chuck in ninja, ninja rap, vanilla ice starring. The secret of the universe. We've got to do both. I mean, I never saw that third one. But yeah, let's do turtles. More family friendly. Like it, like it. Okay, well, this has been a look back at Under Siege from 1992. Uh, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.